Welcome into the Todd Pod here on SelloutCrowd.com. My name is Todd Lizenby, and joining me today on the Todd Pod is Chris Brannick, Sports Information Director at the University of Central Oklahoma. We're going to have a discussion about a lot of things, and our main discussion point today is going to be Division II football, Chris, something that a lot of Oklahoma football fans don't really know that much about, and in my opinion, they're missing out on a good thing. I'm obviously biased. I'm the voice of the UCO Broncos. You're the Sports Information Director at UCO, but before we get started, Chris, first of all, thanks for joining me here in this inaugural week at SelloutCrowd.com and on the Todd Pod today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. I was I was wondering, were we going to say Todd Pod or Todd Cast? Uh, I like I like either option there. Uh, I I love what's happening with Sellout Crowd, uh, and I'm really excited to to be with you today. Well, I know one of our Sellout Crowders is Mike Sherman, who's a UCO grad. He was there in 1982. We were talking just today about the national championship 41 years ago in 1982 that he covered at the Vista, the student paper at UCO. Um, I know you also had similar time at UCO as a student, now as a sports information director. And as we kind of get going tonight, just talking about D2 football, let's start by talking about the state of Oklahoma. And for those that don't know, just kind of lay out to them where D2 football is in the state of Oklahoma with the programs we have and the two different conferences they compete in. Yeah, so of course with uh, Central Oklahoma as well as Northeastern State, uh, both play football in, in the MIAA. And uh, then there are other schools in the Great American Conference. Uh, a lot of people in Oklahoma might call them the directional schools uh, or the uh, the Russo schools. So you're, you've got Northwestern Oklahoma State, Southwestern Oklahoma State, East Central, Southeastern. Uh, and so those, uh, those directional schools uh, they compete in the Great American Conference, and of course, Oklahoma Baptist and Southern Nazarene uh, are are also uh, members of that conference. So, um, the Great American Conference kind of has a nice little setup uh, with with a six teams in Arkansas, six teams in Oklahoma, East West Division, and uh, it it really just kind of falls into place well. Uh, and so, most of the Oklahoma schools in Division Two uh, compete in that conference, and then. Uh, again, like I said, Central Oklahoma, Northeastern State, uh, both competing in the MIAA. And so uh, those eight schools, um, it's a pretty good competition. You know, Southeastern is getting a lot of preseason hype uh, right now as a team to look out for. They've got some playmakers at wide receiver. And uh, and last year it was kind of talked about as they were knocking on the door for the Division II playoffs. Uh, it's been 20 years now since a, since an Oklahoma school made the playoffs that was UCO in 2003. Uh, Southeastern was really close a year ago, and I think uh, I think we'll probably be in that argument again uh, if they can find a way to come out of the GAC. Um, and then, of course, uh, UCO and MIAA uh, with Northeastern State also trying to find a way to get into that fix and get atop of that uh, that Oklahoma standing there and get someone in from Oklahoma back in the playoffs. Explain to people that don't understand the difference between D1 and D2 football, let's start from the kind of managerial behind the scenes side of it. What is different uh, when you walk into an athletic department at a division two program, as far as football goes compared to a division one program? Uh, you know, staff might be uh, staff might be one of the biggest things. Uh, I had the number of number of number of employees on staff is a, is a big deal, a big difference uh, in, in the operation model. 
is is a little different financially obviously is is the big thing and that's uh you know if it's it's probably a rumor as old as time you know everyone always talks about uco wanting to be a division one school and the kind of investment or resources that would take is is pretty it's pretty incredible especially at this day and age and uh i think that several years ago i know when we were talking about that uh it's kind of gets talked about about every year um you know the uco total operating budget was was kind of a would have been would have needed to double to be to be equal to the lowest operating budget in the southland conference uh, which is uh, which is a kind of a mid-major Division One conference, and so just an idea of you know of, of a school that's operating at a at a pretty decent budget um, would need to more than double it to be to be competitive at the lower level of Division One. So financially, it's a big deal. Uh, I think staffing is a really big deal. Uh, where you know at UCO we have I think ten ten on the administrative staff and. And a lot of Division One schools are going to have uh, anywhere from twenty to fifty. So um, there's a lot of big differences there. Uh, facilities sometimes that's a big difference, but uh, you know we've seen here at here at UCO uh, that that's not the case. And but at some places that's a big difference. Facilities um, and just what kind of what kind of place the, these kids have to play. So in football you have Division One, then you have FCS. Then you have Division Two in basketball. There's Division One, Division Two. There's not an FCS level for basketball. So, you know, you and I have had this conversation before. There aren't any FCS schools in Oklahoma, and in my opinion, part of the reason for that is because football is king in this state. And when you're in, at the FCS level, you kind of have to lean on basketball, right? Because your big, uh, you know, prize at the end of the road is getting to the NCAA tournament in basketball. In Division Two, it's it seems to me, and tell me if I'm crazy, a little bit more of the kind of footballish type schools in the footballish type states, right? Yeah, that's true, and that's that's a that's a big point uh, for the, you know, let's say one of these Division Two schools just says, "Hey, we're going to go Division One. It's going to happen." Well, you're going to go FCS. You're you're not gonna you're not going to move into that upper stratosphere, which even today is create is separating itself. Right. And so some of these, the haves and the have nots, uh, uh, even just the haves are starting to separate. And so the, that's a big part of, um, of that conversation. And, and, a, and a good point on the basketball thing too, where in division, if you do go division one, uh, you, you really become focused on how do you make the men's basketball national tournament? Uh, because that's been such a, uh, key financial driver in college athletics, and um, and so yeah, you don't see that as much in Division Two, where you certainly do have some schools that are, um, you know, really focused on like if you look at the Nebraska schools where volleyball is such a big deal, uh, or a lot of schools that uh, basketball is such a big deal. Uh, but yeah, football in Oklahoma obviously is the is the number one sport. And uh, and I think that kind of carries true for the Division Two schools, too. I'm going to ask you a loaded question here, and you may only be able to answer this from the UCO standpoint, but you mentioned it earlier. It's been 20 years since a D2 school from Oklahoma made the playoffs, and this is a big football state. In your opinion, why is that? Well, that's a 
That is a good question. I told you it was a loaded question. Uh, you know, I I certainly think, uh, and I tell you, the Southeastern being as close as they've been, uh, they've been a lot closer than UCO. I don't think the GAC schools in Oklahoma are quite as strong and as competitive. It's, it's uh, man, it's hard to get in the playoffs in Division Two because of the the regional model, which uh, I know we've talked about. Uh, right, we've we've talked about this uh, forever. Uh, comes up in every sport, uh, and so it's so hard to get into it. You're you're talking about seven available spots for uh, forty schools, and, and and six of them or eight of them are are from Oklahoma. So um, the the window's small. Uh, UCO in the last twenty years has uh, you know coming out of the '90s. The '90s was the the most successful decade in in athletics history at UCO. And in the 2000s, uh, in the 2010s, it's, it's been different. And so uh, there's certainly been some high points and some highlights, but um, it's just hard to do. And, and you really got to be on top of your game consistently and week in and week out. You know, football's kind of like that naturally where every game really matters because it's a right. shorter season and, and uh, nine and two doesn't always, doesn't always guarantee you uh, a playoff spot or, or eight and three is a, is a really good season, but that's, you know, we went eight and three uh, in, in 2015 and, and just had to go to a bowl game. So um, it's, it's just hard to do. And, and I, I think it's, it's certainly going to change soon. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to think that uh, UCO would be the one to make that change. This I think is the year baby <laughs> It's certainly year. uh Certainly, Southeastern's got an argument as they're as they're, they've been knocking on that door the last couple of years. If they can kind of keep keep moving up and and maybe maybe get into that door. So let's talk about the players at the Division Two level. Um, I know that you know I've had this discussion all the time with Bob Hoffman, your men's basketball coach, and he says people don't realize a lot of the big big difference between D one and D two in basketball is simply just size. Some of the biggest players play D1, and guys with just as much skill level that are a little smaller play D2. Um, in football, what what would you say the biggest difference is between a D1 type player or a D1 roster, just athletically and you know Jimmy's and Joe's wise versus a D2 roster? I I, th- I think it's similar to basketball that size uh, size changes everything. Now you'll see some some really big kids at Division two. Uh, it, it doesn't always mean uh, where basketball, a lot of times the, that size just almost puts you into that category and helps you uh, get that get into that level. But uh, football's similar where the where that size matters uh, and, and can help you there. Um, and, and then athletic ability. I mean, there's, you know, like the things that Georgia football is doing is is stupid. Like there's some, there's there's the the size and athletic ability of those kids. Those are, those are tremendous athletes. And so you don't see that kind of stuff in division two level. You see some players on some of the rosters that are, that have that ability. Uh, and I think that it's, it's kind of similar to basketball where uh, the size and athletic ability gets you to that point. I will say this too, is there's a lot of, um, you know, I don't know if bounce backs is a good word or a bad word, but that's what we say. There's a lot of division one bounce backs at the division two level. And sometimes they think, 
you know, they're coming from OU or OSU or any other division one school all around the country. They transfer down to D2 and it's not as easy as they thought it would be um, because they're used to, they're used to those reps with those just freak athletes. Uh, and, and they come to division two and they're like, they think it's going to be easy, but then they're, they, they find out like, wow, there's some real talent in division two. There's some really good, uh, skill kids that again, maybe they were just a little bit smaller and didn't quite fit that prototype that, uh, the division one schools were looking for. So, um, that's kind of, I think, I think that's a, it's similar to basketball in that regard, but also, um, there's some really good things happening in, at the division two level as well. You mentioned bounce back transfer portals, huge right now. NIL is huge right now. I, I know that I saw, uh, you know, you guys tweeted out that NIL wise, you guys are kind of at the top of the conference, but it's, it's pennies compared to what we're talking about. D one players getting paid NIL wise. So I don't think that's a big factor right now, but how much has the transfer portal changed how a D two football coach manages their roster? Um, quite a bit, honestly. I think the same things are happening at the division two level, excuse me, that, um, that are happening at the division one level with the transfers. Uh, you know, a lot of kids will come division two, then they'll go to a JUCO to try to get to the D one level or, you know, the transfer phenomenon is, is when we know what's happening in high school. So like mm-hmm. people are just wanting to move around and, and be a free agent uh, and, and so that's happening at the division two level too. And, uh, I had a conversation recently about, uh, about UCO having, uh, hit the transfer portal pretty hard this year. Uh, this is year two of, uh, Adam Dorrell's run here with the Broncos and, and they're, you know, year one, you would kind of expect a lot of turnover with a new coach. Well, year two, uh, 52, 53% of the roster is newcomers again. And so they kind of have, flip the roster for a second time. And, and part of that is just the nature of college athletics right now. And that's not just UCO. It's not just football. Um, the transfer, the transfer phenomenon is happening all over the place. And so before you might, you know, you want to sign 20 to 30 kids, you want to redshirt almost every one of them. You want to develop a culture. You want fifth year seniors that are just uh, they know absolutely everything the coach wants from them at all times. And um, I just don't know that you're going to see much of that anymore. Uh, now the fifth and sixth year seniors or seventh year seniors is is more so because of uh, COVID extensions. But um, I don't know that as many kids are going to be, you know, we, we have a couple uh, uh, UCO that have been here for six years. And obviously the the, the COVID extension helped them get one more year, but just don't see a lot of kids sticking it out for, for four or five years at one school because, because that transfer phenomenon is just, it's what it is right now. I know I got to look at, you know, this year's roster as I'm kind of prepping for uh, week one, which by the way, by the time this drops, week one will have already happened on Thursday night. And we'll talk more about UCO's upcoming schedule. So you can promote that later, but there are a lot of Oklahoma kids on this roster and you know, I know that this is going all the way. If we want to talk D1 football, Brent Venables has made it a goal to try to sign the best players in Oklahoma. And Mike Gundy does the same thing every year. He tries to sign the best players in Oklahoma. And now you've got Kevin Wilson up in Tulsa who has said, I want to sign the best players in Oklahoma. It seems like that's a goal for pretty much every coach. Um, at the D- D2 level, what is 
what is your pitch to a kid from Oklahoma? Because I would imagine just playing devil's advocate, I'm a high school senior. A lot of them are waiting, hoping that they are going to get that D1 offer. So how how is high school recruiting different at the D2 level? Well, you kind of have to sell, you know, you kind of have to make sure you're letting them know about those other, there's eight Oklahoma schools uh, uh, competing for some of those same kids and they're, they're on the radar of some division ones, or maybe they're just off the radar of those division ones. And those are the, those are the kids that they're fighting for. And so you, then you want to just kind of recruit against those other schools and say, you know, where some of these programs have been in the last 10 years. And, and can you, uh, can you prove to them that it, it would be better to, to come to your school versus one of those schools? But, um, you know, one of the big things is the, mind, the mindset's a little different, right? Like you have to be okay with being the second or third choice. Right. I mean, because you kind of know that just by nature, you know, a kid's going to play at OSU if he's got the opportunity more than likely or OU. Right. And, and, you know, even, even more, you end up with a lot of those kids that are going to go to like an Arkansas state or an Abilene Christian uh, because it's division one. And that's the, that's the goal of so many kids for whatever reason is, is that means more than that, that, that becomes more of a priority than, than probably uh, even, you know, winning and playing time and culture and uh, academics and things like that. So um, you do have to kind of be okay with that. I know one thing a lot of coaches do is, is kind of recruit kids they know are going to end up going to those division one schools. They know they're going to go, they know they're not going to sign up, but they want to recruit them. They want to develop that relationship with them. And again, circling back to the bounce back discussion, those kids, let them go to OU or OSU um, and, and, or not let them, but, you know, understand that that's what they want to do because they might in a year or two, when they're not going to make the field, uh, they're, they're going to come back. And if you, Hey, you know, UCO, they were really good to me, uh, back when we were, they were recruiting me, I might go check them out. Or Oklahoma Baptist was really good to me when, when they were recruiting me, I'm going to go circle back and see if maybe they, they'd be interested in, in me transferring back there. So you, yeah, you kind of know, you do have to be, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm good with being your second or third or fifth choice. Uh, just develop a good relationship with these kids uh, because you, you you might see them again in a couple of years. I uh, told a buddy that I was going to talk to you on a podcast and we were going to talk about D2 football. And he said to me a question that I get all the time and I'm sure you get all the time. So I, you can answer this however judiciously you want to answer it. But he asked me, why does UCO not play Southeastern? Why don't they play Southwestern? Why don't the Oklahoma schools play each other every year? And I've tried to explain it to him. You're definitely deeper into D2 football than I am. So how would you answer that question when somebody asks you? Well, in, in simple form, the, the MIAA and the Great American Conference both have closed schedules. So both conferences are playing uh, – a, a, a football schedule that does not have non-conference games. And in doing so, you don't have an opportunity to play right. to play those teams. I, I know a lot of people would love to see UCO and Southwestern playing on a regular basis. That is, you know, UCO and Northeastern State is a rivalry. They play for the President's Cup. Uh, they're both in the MIAA, and it's it's a big deal. But do we, in, Chris, do we call it a rivalry when it's been so lopsided, though? <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't want to go too far down that road uh, okay. yet, right. uh, but uh, in week in week eight I might. 
Um, I I think UCO and Southwestern are are age old rivals. Though though it'd be Weatherford's not far from Edmond, and and they were they've been both have been very competitive programs for for a long time, and um, we would love to see that. And I think and I think uh, every I think a lot of people would love to see more uh, enter Oklahoma play because of uh because the crowds would just be a little bit better you know uh they're, they're all if we've got if we've got 70 oklahoma kids and east central's got 85 oklahoma kids well how much how many more uh families are going to attend that game and how much more uh you know we play in in non-football uh sport uh, non-football programs play those schools and there are a lot of times basketball plays oklahoma christian it's a great crowd. Uh, baseball plays Oklahoma Christian. It's a great crowd. So um, there's some good things that would come of that. But again, it just can't happen right now because the way the the, the conferences are structured uh, just doesn't allow for that. Now, there's some things happening uh, where the MIAA is is opening the door to non-conference play. And, uh, and I think that um, they are hopeful that some other conferences will be opening that doors uh, uh, right behind us. And, and, and maybe we'll see in the next few years uh, where we have an opportunity to, to see some more, uh, you know, OBU versus UCO or, or uh, Southwestern Northeastern or something like that. So as I mentioned, when we started this show today, I'm the voice of the UCO Broncos. Obviously I'm every Saturday or, you know, Thursday night, I'm at a UCO game. I love the product. I enjoy it. I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't enjoy it. Um, even though that means I have to ride on road trips with you sometimes, Chris. Mm. I love the product. But, you know, it's there are times where we are at games, whether it's in Edmond or other places, where we go, man, there should be more people here, right? There should be more people coming out and watching UCO football. I know people, you know people that went to UCO, that graduated from UCO, or went to Southwestern or OBU. What is the challenge for you guys at the D2 level to get those people who are alumni to care about coming back and supporting the football team? Because so many of the people I know that went to UCO, they're OU season ticket holders or OSU season ticket holders. So can you kind of speak to that uphill battle that you guys are always fighting, especially in a state that has two really good football schools like OU and OSU? Well, and that and that's such a big deal. Um, if you think about the the you know the house divided kind of cliche that I'm sure is used in every state, but we're obviously very familiar with it solely because of OU and OSU. Uh, people grow up in households that are one or the other, and a lot of times those kids end up going to UCO, whether that's a degree program. You know, UCO's got is the teachers' college; it's got a great nursing program. Forensic science is off the charts. Like. There are a lot of reasons those kids might end up at UCO, but they kind of grew up in that OU or OSU household. And so they kind of stay fans of those of those schools. And um, I think that happens a lot, not just for UCO, but for the other schools, too. I mean, if you're from uh, look at Southeastern and East Central uh, in Southern Oklahoma, how many people from South, grew up in Southern Oklahoma uh, are just kind of naturally OU fans right. uh, and, and, right. and I, the North, the Northern Oklahoma crowd, that's kind of the naturally an Oklahoma state fan. Um, I think that's a big deal is you're, you're, you get these students on campus and you want them to be 
a super fan of your school, but they grew up, they, they, they might, maybe didn't even know about UCO until they were in high school and they started applying for colleges or, you know, when we host the high school football state championships and we're getting, uh, you know, 10, 10 or whatever communities from, from around the state to come here, we're making pushes because that's the first time a lot of these people are going to see UCO. And so, uh, these, you know, these, these students here didn't, didn't grow up thinking about UCO. And, and then when they graduate, you know, you only have them for a few years and, and they go back home or whatever. And it's kind of just, it's easy to fall right back into that OU family or OSU family that you grew up with. So, um, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and obviously the, the product, like, what OU is putting on an OU football game is like a professional sports event, right? It's like yeah. that is a major production. With- but it's also it's also hundreds of dollars too for sure. a lot of, and that's what I think people don't realize about the D two experience. It's not expensive. You're gonna be right on top of the action. Heck, after the games, you can go up to the players and talk to them. Right. You know? I mean, that's a right. way different experience. Well, and that's a selling point for us too. Is like, listen, you you you. I remember talking to uh, the journal record of several years ago about this, like it's, it's pretty cheap season tickets at UCO are a hundred dollars and there's not a wait list for that. And, and concessions are not, uh, are not out of, out of, out of touch. Right. It's, it's, it's very affordable. Uh, you're not gonna have to pay for parking. Uh, if, if you have to, uh, if you have to park far away, you know, uh, it's not really that far away. And, right. uh, so, there, there are some, and there's, there not, are, there's not. You're not going to get stuck in traffic on I-35. Right. I mean, it's going to be an easy to easy home. I and in fact, for home games, Chris, I find that, you know, if the game's at one o'clock, you're home easily for the late football games. Absolutely, Heck, you can even watch a half of the 11 a.m. game before you go in to UCO. So, I just think you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I think it's such a it's such a missed opportunity for so many people to not go experience D2 football and not even UCO go to an OBU game. If you live in Shawnee, go to an SNU game. We have these early season games with OU and Oklahoma state that are, I mean, OU and central or OSU and central Arkansas, you know, I don't go to that OSU game. Take that one week when you know your team's going to blow somebody out and try something right. new and go check out a D2 game. I, it, to me, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer, and most people that I know that have gone to them, they a they're surprised at how good the product is. B, especially at UCO, they're surprised at how good the facilities are, and C, they say like, "Yeah, I'll come back and do that again." Right? Right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like it, it's a lot of people are pleasantly surprised. It's a better product. It's exciting football. It's it's financially uh, a lot more easy on on folks. Uh, it, it's hard to compete with those uh with those mega schools you know like i said the those power fives are separating and there's a separation within power fives and so like they're in a just in a different realm than than what we are so it's hard to compete with that uh but what you can try to make those those selling points on is is like what we just talked about and i think people do find that it's uh it's certainly worth it so i know that when we get ready for a UCO football season. We get the same question that I get all the time before an OU football season or an OSU football season. I, I get asked a version of this question a million times. How's UCO going to be this year? So as we wrap up here, Chris, you are the sports information director at UCO. I need you to look into the crystal ball 
and tell me how's UCO going to be this year in year two under Adam Doral? Hey, I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, I know they uh, there was a comment about the improvement at wide receivers just being uh, some some really athletic kids have transferred in at wide receiver uh, and defensively there's some there's some bigger kids that are going to make a difference. Uh, again, a lot of a lot of the returners that have been here, uh, a handful of them played for Nick Bobeck. And, a, and, a, and a, some of them got here when Adam Doral got here. Uh, and, and those returners are kind of becoming the veterans and, and really leading what the program is going to be like. And then they're throwing in some transfers that uh, have some really good athletic abilities and, and are going to uh, be pretty competitive that way. And, and I know this was a big talking point at Media Day, but Stefan Brown at quarterback has, uh, has kind of taken a, a new look at how he's approaching things in practice. In fact, uh, you know, we're recording this in the evening and I'm, I'm, I'm still at the office working. And, and when we, right before we started recording, uh, Steph was out on the field with some of his receivers just running routes at night. Uh, their, their approach is a little bit different right now. And I think there's going to be some good things from UCO this fall. All right. Tell people, Chris, how they can check out schedules, tickets, all information about Bronco sports, not just, football, but, you know, basketball team coming off a NCAA tournament appearance for the second straight year last year. You've got a softball team who was just at the Division II Women's College World Series. By the way, the wrestling team just won another national championship this year, ended a long drought, finally got over the top and won a national championship. Baseball's great as well. Just tell people how they can check out UCO uh, Bronco Athletics. Yeah, and, and we, we definitely have to say shout out UCO Wrestling, 16-time national champions, uh, and and we'll be defending that this winter. Uh, Broncosports.com. Oh, way, volleyball should be really good as well this year too. I yeah, know volleyball is going to be is really, really good. They start they start uh, about the same time sellout crowd launches, so that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Listen, Broncosports.com. Uh, you can see schedules. We've got we've got all the fall semester uh, lined up and ready to go. Uh, and, and we'll be obviously the spring sports, softball, baseball will be, uh, we'll, you can, you can get all that information there soon. Broncosports.com slash tickets. Uh, we'll get you, uh, you know, we'll get you tickets. You can get season tickets or single game tickets. Uh, UCO athletics on social media. Uh, we're, we're kind of constantly pushing out information about, uh, about what's going on. And, uh, and of course, you can watch everything on the MIAA network. Uh, we, you know, UCO broadcasts more than any other school in the MIAA uh, on the MIAA network. And it's you can watch it on Roku, uh, Amazon Fire TV. You can watch it on Apple TV. It's so convenient, uh, and it's kind of neat. You know, everybody started streaming games. Uh, you know, internet streaming or web stream suddenly uh, was 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 necessary, and now those broadcasts like. You can watch it on your TV in your living room, and it's a it's a full on production. It looks really nice, uh, and so um, you can watch uh, UCO athletics on the MIAA network and, and really follow along uh, and get involved with the with the Broncos that way too. Don't forget broncosports.com. Don't forget that H in Broncos. Now they're the Chos, just like it Respect says on the shirt right there. That's right, uh, Chris. Really appreciate it. I look forward to not only talking about the UCO Broncos this season, obviously you know, voice of the Broncos right here. But also, um, you know, we have talked a little bit as this podcast moves forward. There are so many people that have been involved with UCO past, present, 
and I'm sure in the future that have incredible stories to tell lots of Oklahoma high school kids that maybe their story wouldn't get there, get out any other way that we're going to be able to tell on this podcast. So for this initial launch of selloutcrowd.com, I appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. I can't wait to see selloutcrowd.com and, and, and check out everything you guys are doing there. Don't forget, you can always check me out at selloutcrowd.com. You can follow us on social media at selloutcrowd underscore. You can follow me at Todd on sports on social media. We'll talk to you next time.